0: Have you ever felt like life didn't make sense? Throughout the ages there have been men and women trying to explain what our purpose in life is and have tried sometimes with disastrous results to answer that very question. Can any of us really know why we're here? Let's find out! Hello friends, welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. (laughs) Yes, and that includes sound effects. We do this by using true life stories of real people. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. What is the meaning of life? That's a loaded question and has had many people spending years of their lives looking for that meaning in religion, science, or philosophy. Our story today will lead us down the road in search of the meaning of life and the one who provides the answer in this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. In our humanistic culture, many people place their meaning in life in temporal things like business success, wealth, good relationships, sex, entertainment, and even doing good to others. Some seek out religion, some look to science, and others still look to philosophy. In today's episode, we learn of a man who seeks out this meaning, to know who he is and to know why he's here. Imagine his surprise when he learns the answers are, well, right in front of him. Also, you want to stick around because later we are going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but... It is a prize, and I think it's a prize that you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. The true story of Keith Kaner.
1: How come Jimmy wasn't at the church picnic yesterday?
2: Oh, he's away for the weekend, uh, visiting his grandparents at their beach house.
1: He's lucky. I wish I had grandparents.
2: I know. Uh, your grandparents weren't anything like Jimmy's, though. What were they like? You never talk about them. Well, it's hard to talk about. They, um... They drank a lot, and uh, well, let's just say they chose drinking over taking care of me.
1: Wow. I'm sorry.
2: Well, That's why I make it a point to raise you kids the right way. Now... Enough talking. Finish your breakfast and get dressed for church.
1: I'd rather go to the beach. Why do we have to go to church anyway?
2: Because I'm your father, and I said so. That's why.
0: What happens when a child with an inquisitive mind grows up with parents who can't or won't answer their questions? Some lash out and become aggressive, while others hide their frustration inside. The man in our story conformed to his father's wishes. He appeared to do everything the right way, but his internal struggles tore him apart. You'll hear how he faced those struggles as we bring you the true story of Keith Kaner, right now on Unshackled.
3: I grew up in a lower middle class family in 1950s era Southern California. I never met my father's parents. Their struggles with drinking led them to an early grave. That's why, when me and my brother and sister were born, my father tried his best to raise us upright. He wasn't quite sure what that meant, though. As a child, he didn't have anyone to model good parenting skills for him, so he seemed to mimic the rules and habits he saw in functional families. When we asked why we had to follow these rules, He always answered the same way.
2: Because I'm your father, and I said so, that's why.
3: In the 50s, going to church was the normal thing for happy American families to do. So every time the church doors opened, we were there. I joined the youth group, led by a bubbly, vivacious young mother named Phyllis.
1: All right, settle down. Let's settle down, everyone. Okay. Now, who wants to volunteer for the church's community fun fair next week? What do you need volunteers for? Well, I'm working the refreshments table, so I need some girls to bake brownies and cookies for that. And my husband could use some help setting up the rides. I can help with that. I'm pretty good with my hands. Uh, Yeah, I can help too. You boys are wonderful! The Lord will reward you for volunteering your time for His cause.
4: I could volunteer my writing interest. Do you need anyone to make flyers or pamphlets to hand out to people who come to the fair?
1: Um, well, what kind of flyers?
4: Oh, you know, just a little write-up about the church and maybe what we believe and when we have services.
1: Hmm, I don't think we need flyers. The fair is just supposed to be a fun community event. Now we also need someone to sell tickets.
3: The truth is, I didn't really know what the people at church believed. They didn't talk about that much. I loved the fun events and social activities, though, so I happily kept going. My church connections even led to my first job. Keith,
4: I've known your dad since we were little kids. We grew up together, and I've watched you grow into a fine young man. Thanks, Mr. C. You did a great job helping assemble rides at the church fair. What do you think about helping me with my construction business this summer? I'd love to help. I could use the money to save up for college. I knew I could count on you. What a fine young Christian man. The
3: truth is, my life in the church brought me comfort and security, but I still felt incomplete. I had a shallow, surface-level idea of how I should live and what it meant to be moral, and I didn't know anything about the meaning of life. So I sought a deeper meaning to my existence. I used to sit on our living room couch and brood for long periods of time. What are you doing, son? My father would ask. Just thinking, I'd say. I hope my enrollment in a local college would help me find answers. Wow, we're really on our own, huh, Keith? Yeah, Jimmy, it's quite a shock. I I thought I worked hard in high school, but I have twice as much reading to do for these classes. You're not going to do homework on a Friday, are you? Probably not. Why? Is there something going on tonight? Some of the senior guys have a house right off campus. They're inviting incoming freshmen for a disorientation party. That sounds fun, but orientation was last week. That was different. This is disorientation. It's a drinking party! They'll have a tap there and probably harder stuff. Oh, well, no thanks. Maybe I'll get started on my homework after all. Come on, Keith. Wait, you've had a drink before, right? No, Uh, but I hope you enjoy yourself. Hey, I go to church too, but we're in college, man. You need to take advantage of the full collegiate experience. That's why I enrolled in all these psychology and philosophy classes. I had plenty of fun in church as a kid, I need to grow up a little and find my purpose in life. I hope you find what you're looking for, Keith. Let me know if you change your mind about that party. In my intro to philosophy class, we studied the works of David Hume, an atheist who lived during the 18th century. Hume once said, there is nothing to be learnt from a professor which is not to be met with in books. I suppose it's somewhat ironic then that I met with my philosophy professor during his office hours to clarify our readings.
0: Christians usually do struggle with Hume's teachings since he denies God's role as the creator of the universe. I'm trying to be open-minded. I mean, my church taught me a lot about how to
3: be a good person. But? But I'm still searching for the meaning of life. Whenever I asked my dad to explain why certain things were right and wrong,
0: he replied, because I said so. Well, Hume himself acknowledged that people tend to go along with whatever is good for society because it's natural to help your fellow man. You see, most tend to cooperate and help each other because it's good for the greater community. Sometimes it's not so clear what's moral
3: or not moral, though. My friend Jimmy goes out drinking every Friday, and it seems like he has a good time and meets a lot of people, while I just sit around in my dorm by myself, feeling lonely and miserable. Do you think his drinking is
0: moral or immoral? Well, you'll find that the concept of morality differs greatly from culture to culture, and even from person to person. Hume even questioned the morality of God himself. Really? How so? Well, he said that if God is all-powerful, then he can't be completely good, because... He allows evil things to happen in the world.
3: But making mistakes helps us grow. When we do the wrong thing, we're usually corrected, which leads us to make a moral choice in the future.
0: Well, that's not what Hume believes. He thinks that humans are driven by passion, not reason.
3: I grew frustrated with my philosophy readings. Not because I rejected intellectualism, quite the opposite. I just didn't see any guidance in Hume's teachings. He had a lot of criticism, but none of his words helped to guide me or find meaning in my existence. The next philosopher we studied was Immanuel Kant, who lived around the same time as David Hume. He died at the beginning of the 19th century. I can't wrap my head around that philosophy assignment. Who has time to read all that? Maybe you'd have time if you didn't party late on Fridays. Oh man, last Friday was a blast. You need to come along with me one of these days, Keith. Loosen up a bit. Did you know we have a quiz on Kant this Monday? We do? You better catch up on the readings if you want to pass. I told you, I don't get it. I'm gonna buy one of those study guides they have at the college bookstore then I won't have to read the text. What's the point in taking the class if you don't want to read the material? It's a required course for my major genius. If you love Kant so much, why don't you explain the main points of his philosophy to me? In language I can understand. To be honest, I don't care for him at all. He's supposed to be teaching his life philosophy, but he's basically saying that we know nothing. Yeah, the guy lived 200 years ago. How are we supposed to relate to him? So, Immanuel Kant's philosophy boils down to Human understanding is limited, so we can't understand anything bigger than ourselves. We only know what we experience through our senses. Or something like that. Not very encouraging, is he? Hey, have you heard the one about Genghis Khan? No. Genghis Khan, but Immanuel Kant? Get it? That's awful. No wonder you can't get a date. I abandoned these philosophers since they didn't answer basic questions like why do airplanes crash and babies die? Why am I here? And why does life seem so hard? I continued to believe in a God of my own making but I hardly prayed or asked him for guidance. I preferred to take control of my own life. After two years of college, I transferred to a state school up north. What I found there Turned my spiritual life on its head.
0: Folks, we'll get back to Keith's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of well supporters like you. When you contribute to unshackled it has a direct impact your support allows us to hire quality writers talented actors as you can hear a skilled production team and a devoted staff through your support we're able to share unshackled worldwide so in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free won't you consider making a donation to unshackled it's really quite easy All you need to do is click on the live link if there's one where you're listening or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org that's unshackledpodcast.org and then click the donate button or you can always write a check unshackled we take checks you mail that check to 1458 south canal street chicago illinois 60607 we thank you for your partnership in our ministry and now Back to the true story of Keith Kaner.
3: My first college was close to home and I had friends and familiar surroundings. Still, I went to college to learn and my first two years left me unsatisfied and even more frustrated than before. When I enrolled in a new school in Northern California, I looked for chances to connect. I worked and took on a full course load. At first, my junior year followed a dull, meaningless pattern of work, study, sleep, work, study, sleep, until I met a new friend who changed everything.
4: Hey, mind if I sit here? Not at all. Hi, I'm Denny. Nice to meet you. I'm Keith. I've never seen you on campus before. Are you a freshman? No. <laughs> I, I hope I don't act like one. <laughs> don't worry. You don't. You seem older. You must be a transfer student then. That's right. I'm in my junior year. What do you majoring in? I
3: don't know yet. I studied philosophy and psychology at my old school, but it's not for me.
4: I didn't find the answers I was looking for. To what? Uh, it's... Um... Are you searching for the meaning of life? Why, <laughs> yes. How did you guess? I suppose that's why most people major in philosophy. Me, I find meaning at my church. Best part is, I can go there tuition free. Interesting. Well, I have been looking
3: for a new church since I moved. I'm used to going every Sunday, and I need to make new friends since I left all my old ones behind when I transferred. Are you a Christian? Uh, yeah, uh uh-huh. I mean, I know I believe
4: in God. (laughs) Now, there's a big difference between being a Christian and just believing in God. Hmm. I'm not sure I understood what that means. Why don't you come to the evening service with me tonight? The pastor does a great job of explaining everything.
3: Up to that point, my attitude was, don't call me God, I'll call you if and when I need you. And the thought of Jesus dying for me was insulting. First off, I didn't ask him to. Secondly, I didn't need it. I was a good person. However, that night in January 1965, Denny took me to church. I mentioned before that I'd always gone to church, but it was mostly just a habit for me, a social activity. As for the worship part, I'd simply been going through the motions without knowing what it meant to have a personal relationship with God. I grew up learning that attending service was the right and moral thing to do, but I wasn't quite sure why. My dad was never very good at explaining why we did the things we did. That evening, I heard preaching like I'd never heard
2: before. One of the most common questions I hear as a man of faith is, If God is all-powerful, and if God is good, then why does he allow evil to exist in the world? Now, Now, there is evil on a grand scale. You see it in the Holocaust. You see it in communist countries. Those are extreme examples of human depravity. But each and every human being is capable of evil. And we have all done evil things, big or small. Maybe you stole something from a store, or told a lie, or hurt someone on purpose. These are all acts of evil. But failing to act is also wrong. Like watching someone else act in a way you know is wrong, and doing nothing about it. When God created man, He gave him free will. And ever since the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, walked the earth, humanity has had a problem with sin. Sins are evil acts that separate us from our perfect God. We are all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So everyone who condemns God for allowing bad things to happen should look inside himself and say, I think I'm good. So why do I allow bad things to happen? Stopping evil is humanity's responsibility. I wonder if this preacher ever read David Hume's philosophy books. I bet he would have done a lot better in that class than I did. The good news is, God gave us the opportunity to be redeemed from humanity's evil ways, our evil ways. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live on the earth with mankind just so he could pay our sin debt. The most famous Bible verse, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I've heard that verse before, but I never really thought about what it means. Whether or not we receive Christ's gift is up to us. It's not God's responsibility to force human beings to be good. It's up to each of us as individuals to make the choice to embrace the light of Christ or continue to walk in darkness. Reading further into the chapter, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John three nineteen reads, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Friends, Will you continue to choose darkness over Jesus Christ, the light of the world? Or will you embrace his free but priceless gift of eternal life? The pastor
3: invited the congregation to come to the altar and receive Christ, but I didn't go forward. Still, the verse John 3.19 stuck with me.
2: And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light.
3: Then, like a punch to the face, I understood. I understood the verse to be saying, this is the reason God will be just to condemn Keith Kaner. Light, Jesus Christ, the God-man has come into the world. You, Keith, love your independence because you want to be the God of your own life which is evil I always thought of myself as a good guy I took pride in my reputation with my church back home and others praised me for my lifestyle and morals but that only left me with the emptiness of self-righteousness even though I didn't drink or do drugs or act in an obviously evil way I still needed a Savior to guide me away from the evils in the world and specifically the pride I felt in being a good guy all on my own. Now I realized that the emptiness and searching I'd felt in my life could only be filled by a Savior. For the next month, I continued going to church with Denny. With each energetic sermon, the preacher convinced me more and more of the need to repent and believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord.
4: (laughs) Yep. That was our very first conversation. Really? Sure was. You said you believed in God, but you weren't sure if you were a Christian. Huh. And now? Yes, I am now.
3: I went to church for 20 years, and I wasn't a Christian because I didn't really believe in
4: Christ. I mean... I didn't have a relationship with him. Billy Sunday, the famous preacher, put it this way. Going into a garage doesn't make you a car, and going into a church doesn't make you a Christian. I like that. It's kind of philosophical. Maybe you thought that doing good things was enough to be a Christian. Yeah. I trusted
3: myself and my own judgment instead of letting the Lord light my way. Thy word is a
4: lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's why I felt so empty and miserable. I think you finally understand what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, I think I do understand. But more importantly, what will you do about it?
3: That day, alone in my dorm room, February 1965, I fell to my knees and made the most important decision I ever made or would ever make in my life. Dear Heavenly Father, I always thought I was a good person and that going to church and staying out of trouble was enough. But that only left me empty and meaningless. Being the God of my own life hasn't worked. My resistance to your guidance has been my sin. You loved me enough to let me become miserable enough to need you. And because I ignored that you are God, I was not trusting you. Forgive me. Take over my life, which I give to Jesus right now. I submit myself to you. I ask this mercy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In an instant, I knew that Christ had redeemed me. Outwardly, I looked the same, and I still did the right thing. I went to church, worked hard, and avoided drugs and alcohol. But the transformation I felt inside was like night and day, and it all came from a simple prayer, not the hours I spent laboring for church events or my faithful attendance at Sunday worship and youth group, just the simple act of believing, as God's Word says in Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. After finishing my undergraduate studies, I thirsted for more of God's word, so I moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee for a year of seminary. Word got out that North Dakota desperately needed pastors. Being young, naive, and freshly optimistic, I traveled up north to answer my new calling. Yes? Hi. Uh, I saw an ad on the town bulletin board saying your church needs a pastor. You're a pastor? You look like a kid. <laughs> I'm 21 years old. I just graduated from seminary school. Well, you are right. We do not need a pastor. I promise I'll put my heart and soul into doing the Lord's work. Receiving Christ as my Savior was the best thing that ever happened to me, and I want to share that joy with everyone I can. We are a small church. Just 25 people, all Russians. We work on the farms here. The size of the church isn't what's important. The most important thing is spreading the gospel. Let's talk more about it. I think we can help each other. You're young and we're small in
4: numbers, but we can grow together.
3: For the next 18 months, I preached everything I learned with the Russian church members supporting me along the way. Then the Lord led me to Grand Rapids Theological Seminary for more training. While studying there, I found the training I'd been looking for in something or someone else.
1: Yes, may I help you?
3: Sorry, uh, I'm looking for the dean. Is this the right house?
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm his daughter, Marilyn.
3: Oh, nice to meet you, Marilyn. I'm Keith, I'm in your father's Hebrew class.
1: That's right, he's mentioned you before.
3: Uh Uh-oh, I'm not exactly his star student.
1: (laughs) Don't worry, he didn't say anything bad.
3: (laughs) That's a relief. Uh, Anyway, is he around? I wanted to ask him about tutoring.
1: Sure. Dad? It's your not exactly star student, Keith.
3: (laughs) Well, you don't have to announce it to the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't the best student in seminary. But the dean passed me, and even better, he gave me his blessing to make Marilyn my wife. We married on December 18th, 1970. After that, I served as a youth pastor and then as a senior pastor for 45 years.
1: In 2003, Keith and I traveled to Cuba for the first time as missionaries. We've been back 15 times since. Now we live in Michigan, where Keith and I have both written books about our faith.
0: The real meaning of life, both now and eternally, is found in the restoration of our relationship with the Lord God. This restoration is only possible through God's Son, Jesus Christ, who reconciles us to God. Romans 5.10 says, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Salvation. And eternal life are gained when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Once that salvation is received by grace through faith, Christ makes us new creations and we begin the journey of growing closer to Him and learning to rely on Him. Friend, God wants us to rely on Him and through that come to know the meaning of our lives. Jesus said in John 10.10, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. An abundant life is logically one that is meaningful and devoid of aimless wandering, and that meaning of life is wrapped up in the glory of God. In calling His elect, God says, Even every one that is called by My name, for I have created him for My glory, I have formed him yea I have made him and as we heard from Keith the answer to life's questions can be found in the one who gave us life he answers our questions stills our hearts and hears our prayers and will give rest to all who are searching friend Jesus is waiting for you and ready to answer your questions His arms are open wide for you. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at org, or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, here's the prize for our new upcoming sweepstakes contest. Another beautiful wooden scripture plaque, and it is John 8, 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, But shall have the light of life I love that one this is a gorgeous plaque folks especially if you're looking for daily inspiration from Scripture you will love this authentic and very unique wooden plaque the plaque has been sawn from a tree branch or log and uh, cut in such a way as uh, to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible it's been handcrafted around the natural character and the beauty of the wood that, uh, well, God created. So, all you have to do to enter our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast Sweepstakes Drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. The winner of this sweepstakes drawing for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced November 1st, but the deadline for entry is October 20th. And next time...
1: Laura, you're absolutely sure you want this information? Yes, ma'am. I am. I understand you're curious. Anyone would be. But I want you to understand sometimes it's better to never learn the facts.
0: Barely escaping the deadly fate of abortion, Laura is born into a bizarre and toxic situation.
1: You've never had to wonder who your parents are or what happened to them. True, I haven't. Or wonder, as I have, why I was born in a mental institution and lived there for the first five years of my life.
0: At 18, she begins a quest for love and identity, but it only affirms her hopelessness.
1: All right, you were born in the mental institution because your mother was a patient there. Her condition was so bad, it wouldn't have meant anything to her to see you, and might only have been frightening to you as a child. If she was that disturbed, how did she ever get pregnant? I want to know.
0: The classic true story of the woman we are calling Laura, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Keith Kaner were Jeff Parker, Brad Armacost, Demetrius Troy, Michael Wallner, and Mara Kate Burns. Original music and audio engineer Don Badorf, Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Chrissy Spalone. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.